You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Right now, many of us are just thinking about surviving, trying to get by, living one day at a time. We are tired, worn out, and stuck. But what if God called us to more? What if God wants us to thrive in the midst of the chaos? Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Are you tired of just surviving? Tired of going through the motions? Are you ready to grow like never before? It's time to thrive. Well, hi, Castle Hills. Greetings from Japan. I cannot tell you how good it is to be able to be with you and to join with you this Sunday in opening up God's Word and learning together. Um, my name is Andy Rodriguez, and I'm uh, one of your missionary partners in Japan. And uh, many of you know that just about a month ago, I was in a pretty serious accident um, playing baseball where I had many injuries to my face and broken bones and had to go um, under a pretty major surgery. And um, I just wanted to thank all of you for your support and your prayers, and to all of you who wrote cards and letters of encouragement and prayers and support. Um, I can't begin to tell you how much that means to me and to my wife, Jenny, and to our family. Um, and so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for um, supporting us during this time and for all of your prayers. When I was in seminary, um, I had a preaching professor and he would always say that when you preach, you should always preach with a Bible in one hand and with a newspaper in the other hand. And what he means by that is obviously as a preacher, you should know God's word and you should be able to proclaim God's word clearly. But you should also have a newspaper in the other hand because a newspaper tells you what's going on in the world in which you're preaching. If you're going to be a preacher, you need to know the Bible and you need to know your people. In the New Testament, uh, there's a book that we call 1 Corinthians. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul and he wrote 1 Corinthians to a church that he knew very well in the city of Corinth. And he knew that the culture in Corinth was to make a name for yourself. To make a name for yourself by seeking out the wisdom of the world. And so he wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, to challenge the views and the values and the culture that they had. To, to call them back to stop living according to the wisdom of the world. And to come back to living in the wisdom of the cross. Now I've lived in Japan for about 13 or 14 years now, and I, um, I'm not an expert on the cultural and the spiritual blind, uh, blind spots that are in San Antonio. But I do keep up with the news, and, and I think we could probably all agree 
that it's possible even for the church in America to move away from the wisdom of God and begin moving back into the wisdom of the world. And so I want to see what does the Apostle Paul have to say about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18. I want to read these verses out loud. And as I do, I want you to count in your mind or even circle in your Bible how many times the word wise or wisdom shows up in this text. Okay, here we go. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards, and not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Now I'm curious, how many times when I was reading, did you count the words wise or wisdom? The point that Paul is making in these verses is very clear, and he's drawing a distinction between the way the world sees wisdom and the wisdom, the way of wisdom from the cross. So Paul knew in the city that he was in, that he was writing to in Corinth, the culture, the wisdom was something that that people would seek after. They would strive for worldly wisdom. And when they thought of wisdom, they were concerned with gaining intellectual knowledge that could be leveraged to gain power or authority or influence over others. It was, a, it was a tool. Wisdom was a tool for self-gain. The wisdom of the day was concerned with how smart are you? How powerful can you become? How much influence can you have? How much wealth can you acquire? And anyone who achieves these things, they were considered the wise ones. And that very same kind of worldly wisdom that was so prevalent in the city of Corinth is also very prevalent in urban Japan where I am. The the wealthy and the powerful and the influential and the smart, they are the ones 
that the culture looks to as the wise ones. You know, some people inherit power and wealth and status, but most people have to work for it. They have to earn it. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's a culture of overwork in Japan because our identity here is wrapped up in striving to be the best, to get to the top and hold influence and to avoid at all costs situations in which people might view you as weak or as unknowledgeable or unpowerful. I know that's the case in Japan, but my hunch is that's not too different from San Antonio. But church, my question for today is this. How does the wisdom of the cross differ from the wisdom of the world? The wisdom of the cross comes in and it flips upside down the wisdom of the world. Take a minute and think about what was the cross? Right? We're used to seeing crosses as symbols in our churches and jewelry that we wear. Maybe some of you right now are wearing jewelry or a shirt that has a cross on it. But in Paul's day, a cross was the most public, the most brutal, the most humiliating way to be executed. You would never think of, of using that symbol of execution for a church, for a religious group, because the cross was viewed as weakness. The powerful and the wise, they weren't crucified. The cross was reserved for the worst of criminals, which is why Paul says in verse 18, the word of the cross, it is folly, it is foolishness. To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so if you're here today and if you're committed to the way of wisdom that the world has, seeking an identity for yourself through knowledge and power and position, then the message of the cross will seem foolish to you. The way of the cross is opposite of the way the world looks for just think about the political strife that you've seen over the past few years. That is the wisdom of the world working itself out before our very eyes. And yet it is that foolish wisdom of the cross that Paul says will be the power of God. And so church, I want to think together about what would it look like if we, as a church, were to embrace the wisdom of the cross in our lives and in this church. Because this way of thinking, it is going to be so backwards compared to the wisdom of the world. The way of the cross, if you choose to embrace it, it will highlight the weak, not the strong. The way of the cross will seek to recognize your low status rather than to prop yourself up in a powerful position. The cross will turn the concept of wisdom upside down. So Castle Hills, what will it look like for you to live according to the wisdom of the cross? It looks like being willing to be seen as weak and not powerful. Godly power is self-giving and others-centered, not demanding. 
Godly power is self-giving and others-centered. The wisdom of the cross is when we sacrifice ourselves for the weak. When we lift up others and exalt others instead of ourselves. And when we set aside our desires and our preferences for the sake of others. How can you do that in your life? How can you do that in your family? And how can you do that in your role at this church? Because the wisdom here of this world, it's going to say, impress people with how much you know. Living the wisdom of the cross means that we should live with intellectual humility. And that means that I'm honest about what I know and what I don't know. That I don't try to impress others with my knowledge or to make people think that I know things that I actually don't. That I've read things that I actually haven't. That I'm competent in areas that I actually don't know very much about. See, the wisdom of the cross means that I don't have to try to impress God or you with how much I know. So I can be free to be honest about these things. In my preaching, I want to strive to preach Jesus and the message of the cross and the resurrection. And any power that might come from my preaching, I want to come from the content of the message of the way of the cross and not from the way it's delivered. Uh, how many of you right now um, are kind of, are, are like scared of public speaking? Um, they say that after the fear of death, the second most common fear that people have is public speaking. That's never been true for me. Um, I've always enjoyed public speaking and performance and debate and theater. Uh, I like trying to grow as a public communicator. I like trying to study body language and stage movement and humor and word choice and rhetoric. And it's not that those things are bad, but I never want the power from what I preach to come from how good of a speaker I am. But I want to be able to say the same words from the Apostle Paul in chapter 2 when he says, When I come to you, brothers, when I came, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I know that Ronnie as well desires that any, any power that comes from his preaching at this church doesn't come from his wisdom or from his rhetoric or from his eloquence or humor, but from the message of the cross. And so what the Corinthians church needed and what I think we need here today and what I think the church around the world needs is to be reminded that true wisdom, that true power is seen in the cross of Christ. That Jesus, God's son, 
The creator of everything could have exercised his power and his strength, but instead he gave himself over to death on a cross, which seemed utterly foolish. The powerful became weak. The wise became foolish. And yet God the Father raised his son Jesus from the dead. And now we are called to believe in and to follow Jesus in his way. Not just so that we have our sins forgiven and go to heaven when we die, but so that we can follow in Jesus' example in our lives by embodying the wisdom, the way of the cross. You see, by giving his life for us, Jesus shows us what does it look like to be wise, to be strong. So if you're not a Christian here today, my challenge for you is to stop trying to earn an identity for yourself by living according to the wisdom of the world. Stop trying to to achieve and to earn and to work for power and status and wealth and significance and intelligence. Instead, I want to invite you to trust in Jesus who died on a cross for your sins and has been risen from the dead. And if you've believed in Jesus, I have a challenge I want to give to you as well. First, I want you to identify where in your life might you be tempted to live according to the wisdom of the world. And then once you identify that, I want, the second thing is I want to challenge you to determine what then might it look like for you practically to begin living according to the wisdom of the cross in that particular way. That's my challenge for us today. Let's pray. God, I know personally that it is difficult sometimes to live the way of the cross. I'm tempted often to want to sneak back into the way of the world and seek after power or status or significance or worldly influence. So God, help me to repent of that and help me, God, to daily Seek the way of the cross and how I live. God, I pray that for this church. And God, I pray that we would all seek ways to identify ways in which we struggle with that. And that by the power of the Spirit, that you would help change us and help help us begin to live the way of the cross in those areas. God, I thank you so much for Jesus, that he has united us together as the body of Christ. And God, I pray that as we partake of communion now, that we'll remember that as we partake of the body and blood of Christ together as a church. In Christ's name, amen.